What is up? Welcome to this week's Williams and Bloom podcast, recorded here on uh, Sunday night, the seventeenth uh, of January, at about nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. My name is Chris Williams. I'm joined, as always, by Brent Bloom, and as always, we are presented by our friends at the Mechdyne Corporation. Visit them at mechdyne.com. That's mechdyne.com, enabling discovery, a collection of technology companies that remove obstacles to insight and understanding you should go and check out uh the it services that they have uh, they've got that u.s based help desk um they've got all these av services software services these these folks are brilliant they are located in marshalltown a couple of iowa state guys created this worldwide company and uh we appreciate them they are the presenting sponsor of the williams and bloom Sunday night podcast, mechdyne.com. Go to their careers page and check out their job listings today. They're always looking for uh, brilliant Iowa staters. My name is Chris Williams. Again, always is joined by uh, Brent Bloom. Bloomer, how was the weekend? No traveling, uh, no basketball, uh, for the men at least. We had a hell of a time watching the women on Saturday night, but how you doing, man? Yeah, that was a highlight, man. That was that was a blast. But hanging in there, they, so the kids had a snow day Friday, and Ugh. so now on Sunday, and we're just kind of at our wits end a little bit. So uh, ready for them to go back to daycare, quite honestly. Yeah, I feel you there, man. My daughter uh, Cameron finally goes back to five days a week school for the first time since. Man, I don't even remember. I don't wow. even remember the last time they were at normal school, and that that starts on on Monday the eighteenth. So hopefully, it lasts a while. God, you just never know. I mean, the Iowa State men's basketball team proved again this thing is not going away. So no, it's just one day to the it, next. It seems like it's really hitting college basketball hard right now. And then Fred Hoiberg uh, made his announcement today. I did. Um, I'm not not trying to be a big timer here. I just I know a lot of people care. I did exchange texts with Fred. It sounds like he's he said it's been up and down, uh, which is kind of like the release he put out. But that you know I. I worried about Fred because he's got the the heart deal and the pre-existing condition stuff. So I just uh, we'll we'll keep him in our thoughts and no doubt um, just just everybody again. Uh, Iowa State put out a release today uh, on Sunday that the game Wednesday night against Texas is being postponed as well. So that's now three in a row for the Iowa State men's team. One of them was Kansas State's. I, I hate saying fault. It's just – it is what it is. Correct. Um, Kansas State didn't have the guys on Wednesday, and then Iowa State um, had a positive or something on, on Friday while they were in Lawrence. So they, they traveled, uh, got a positive, and uh, came back, and now they've paused the, the program. And I, I think it's a good place to start, Bloom, what you pointed out on Twitter Friday night. I was actually with you when you tweeted it. I thought it was well said. Uh, guys, nobody's happy with 0-5. Enough of the garbage that they're planting COVID tests to try and get out of playing games. It's a That's a garbage comment, and don't make it. Yeah, and it's frustrating because, I mean, do you think Iowa State's going to go through this grand conspiracy <laughs> to travel all the way to Lawrence, Kansas, and practice – there in Allen Fieldhouse only to, oh, no, we're going to drive four hours just to, you know, plant this COVID positive so we don't have to play Kansas. I mean, come on now. Like, like this team doesn't need to postpone games. This team needs to play games to get better. 
And it's just, I understand. It was kind of a ha-ha, hey, you know, obviously it's not playing well. I bet they didn't even want to play this game. I, I understand where it comes from, but at the same time, it's insulting to those really trying hard to, to make this thing work. Yeah. And just kind of get dirt thrown on what has been a very long season uh, is frustrating. And by no means is this intentional. And clearly, if I was he's going to drive to Lawrence all the way just to not play, somebody must have po- tested positive that was on that bus. I mean, so you really can't play the game then because then – and then the other comment that, that's right after this C-dub as well, you I know, know football yeah. football went did so well with not having COVID positive. They must have more discipline, must care more about their coach than, than they care about Steve Prohm. And that's unfair too. That's completely unfair. The Iowa State football team had plenty of positive cases. Mm-hmm. It just happened in August before there was yeah. a game. And, yeah. And, and there was some that happened during the year, too, which you, they didn't tell you who tested positive, but there were some positive cases on Iowa State's roster. And it's also different because of the percentages and stuff like that. I mean, it's easier to wipe out a basketball team than it is a football team. Yeah, so. and so what I mean, what the football team did a really good job of, and, and honestly, they did a great job. The last six weeks, they had no positives, which is yeah. tremendous. Yeah. That is a fantastic job by them. And they, all kudos to Mark Coberly. Iowa State's team, the basketball team's doing pretty much the same thing, but basketball is just a different animal yeah. because you cannot, you know, you can't go ones and threes practicing and twos and fours practicing. You have to, all those guys are around each other every day and basketball's just, I mean, look at the trouble that it's going on all across the country right now. So you, you cannot compare the two because they are different. And, you know, honestly, the Iowa State basketball team did not have a COVID positive from, you know, mid-November to now, that's pretty good. That's longer than six weeks. So, you know, yeah, it, it it's yeah. just the virus has a mind of its own. This is nobody's fault. Iowa State would rather be playing games. It's frustrating because it's been a tough season to begin with. Yeah. But I just, I get tired of the, you know, Iowa State was going to lose anyway, so they didn't want to play, or it's a conspiracy so Prome doesn't lose more games. I mean, that's not in, only insulting to Prome and the players with the entire Iowa State athletic department, honestly. Uh, well said. I get tired of the this. This has bothered me forever, um, even dating back to <laughs> I'm talking decades. Bill Finley is a phenomenal coach. We have a phenomenal women's basketball program at Iowa State, one that you and I are both very close to and love to our core. Um, nothing drives me more crazy than when the women get that massive win at Baylor on Saturday night and. You post it on like Facebook or a Cyclone Fanatic Twitter, and the first response is, Can Finley coach the men's team? <laughs> that bothers the crap out of me because it's just like, not, Can you not diminish what the women did just because you're unhappy with the men's program? That bothers me. It has for years because it's such a, it's such a go to thing. It's just such low hanging fruit. And I don't know. Thought I'd throw nope, that I thought I, I totally agree. And it's, it is. It's irritating because. You want to have this men's team playing basketball games. I get it. I mean, it's been a, it's been a long year, um, but yeah. I mean, you, when you couple that with diminishing in some way what the what the women did, I mean, it just it Which just kind of like just let, let's just celebrate the women's win. Let's not let's not worry about um, dragging the men into this one. One of the best wins in in program history. Saturday night. We'll we'll get to that. Um, want to get to some other um, stuff here first. Uh, in in not really something that I know that you're not a huge recruiting guru, Brent, but Iowa State did um, snag a huge win on the recruiting trail today. 
and uh, via a running back out of Arizona, Eli Sanders. Uh, and I, I, I want to explain why th- this was a big get for the Cyclones. Um, six feet, 190 pounds. He chose Iowa State over Iowa. He had other Power Five options. The Arizona schools, uh, a former Boise State commitment from the summer. Uh, Sanders uh, decommitted earlier this fall. And um, ninth-ranked prospect out of Arizona. And I wrote for our insiders last week. uh, I gave them a little bit of a rundown on why this was going to be uh, an important recruiting race because the staff really feels like they needed a running back. And then after that, the door could essentially be closed on adding prospects for the 2021 season. Now, with that, uh, I don't don't point out – I'm not saying that they wouldn't take – a key transfer here or there. Um, you pointed out on the podcast last week that the 25th of January is when the semester starts. So, I mean, if there's going to be um, some more movement, it'll probably be in the next seven days before we podcast again next week. But you got to look at the the running back position, Brent. And, of course, you have Brees Hall in behind him, Jirel Brock, who I believe is a proven commodity. We've seen Jirel play football at a high level uh, where, um, God forbid, Brees would go down. I think everybody would feel comfortable throwing Jirel Brock into the mix. But after that, um, they they needed some depth here. Um, now, Sanders is the second prospect in the class that's a running back. But the other young man, um, Deion Silas out of Florida, is like five foot six. He's more of your scat back type. Think right. Jarvis West, that type of a player. Um, so they're going to move him around. Not a guy who could take a lot of ground and pounding, um, at, at least at this point in his career. So you get a 200-pounder, um, six-foot guy. I, I like this a lot, especially after Kenny Nwongo goes pro. Uh, you lose Johnny Lang. Uh, he wanted to play more elsewhere. This was a big pickup today. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing you he's the next Brees Hall, uh, but I know they like him a lot. And um, he had some pretty good programs that were keying in on him as well. So th- this was a big deal. When you're looking ahead to next year, um, you know, what are one of the things you, you you need to do, have the type of season you want Iowa State to have is depth. We've seen that. They didn't have a ton of it at running back. So good to get this young man committed today. No doubt. And, you know, quite frankly, he had two visits this weekend. One was in Iowa City and one was in Ames. So those were the two finalists. You can kind of read the writing on the wall there. And, and then last night he tweeted that he uh, visited with already a commit that went to Iowa. And yet, uh, which was Arlen Bruce, you know, played for Ankeny after yep. transferring from Kansas City. And yet he picks the good guys. So that's a nice win. It really is. I mean, that's a good win. Yeah. I mean, it's just a win. I mean, obviously, the depth is the most important thing here, but it's nice to, to win one of those in state battles. It's not in state battle technically because the kids from Arizona, but to get one that Iowa wanted to, that's a nice little uh, feather in the cap, too. And he's going to help. I mean, really good player. And the state of Arizona has been very good to Iowa State. So. Excited to see what he can do. And, and I would imagine, just based on what Iowa State wants to do, I mean, you saw a little bit where, you know, Brees Hall gets to that 30 carry mark, and then it's like, well, we got to get some other guys in there. And so Jirel's going to be that natural number two. But then I think uh, Sanders here will get the chance to play, and, and we'll see what he can do. And, I'm, you know, I'm kind of curious how that running back room sets up. They really needed another guy. And it sounds like Sanders could be a really nice fit for the balance between Hall and Brock. Yeah, um, the 
well said, and I, I'm I'm a big believer in needing depth at that running back position. I mean, I know as good as Brees is and Jirel, but man, um, we've just seen it over and over again. And remember that Iowa team, like that that was really good. They went down to like their six string running back that year. What was it Sam Brownlee or whatever that was? Yeah, like oh, yeah. two thousand five. I just like I'm I'm looking at next year, and I want insurance, right? Like you what? Just, totally and, got it. Got to have it telling you guys this is a guy they think that body wise would be able to withstand some some hits and and that type of a deal all right moving on uh from that do you have any other football topics from this week it was kind of a quiet week and i'll tell you why because all the coaches were on vacation (laughs) nobody nobody was around all week with iowa state football now they are um i don't know if they're all back but for the most part they're all back in iowa and we'll be in the office tomorrow. So I think we'll have a little bit more of an eventful week coming up. But really a quiet week around college football. Uh, we did have the the, the Urban Meyer movement um, going to the Jaguars, but not a lot really happening nationwide. Yeah, I think quiet is good for Iowa State right now. Um, I thought it was, it was interesting. They did all those all too early top 25s, oh, yeah, and yeah, Iowa, yeah, Iowa yeah. State's right where we thought they'd be. What do we have them at? Six or seven? Uh, last week's pod. And you had him at seven. I, I didn't really know. I just kind of deferred to you. And you had him at seven. And six to eight is basically the sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, and then you've seen Georgia just kind of get thrown in the top five randomly. And I'm not really quite sure why. Uh, Notre Dame right there, too. But no, Iowa State's in the conversation. This is what's going to be great is the expectations are only going to elevate. But, you know, it's a quiet week, which is great because, as you said, Chris, you know, January 25th is the start of the spring semester at Iowa State. And so if anybody's going to transfer out, yeah. you probably need to do it in the next eight days. That said, I don't know if that's like, you know, the hard and fast concrete because you still technically could transfer out in the summer and still make somebody's campus by August and, you know, be on the team. So it's not like this is going to be the only thing that could happen. And you'll see transfer movement beyond just – eight days from now, but that's kind of your first major indicator. If somebody's going to leave, they'd leave in the next eight days or they could come in too. So we'll see a little bit of movement in the next eight days. I'm not quite sure what, but I think generally it's a positive that I obviously had all those guys come back declare last week. And then you didn't really have any defections this week. So this is a good thing. I don't think there'll be many more. If, if any, I mean, if if anything, it'll be, one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudges, like, hey, you're probably not going to play. You'd be better off if you want to play. Yeah. Deal. And that happens in college football. It's not – you're not pulling their scholarship. I mean, it's just honest conversation that if a young man wants to go get more playing time elsewhere, I think if anything comes anymore, it'll be it'll be of that variety. I was looking at um, – it was one, one of the way too early top 25s that stood out to me, the ESPN one. They mentioned Tariq Milton. And I got to thinking because we're – we had the conversation last week. What 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 would you add to this Iowa State football team if you could? And we were like, ah, oh, probably more playmakers at wide receiver. But like going into last year, he's their best guy. Goes down yeah. and um, really has a quiet season for his standards. Um, I just I, I like giving these little tidbits. I remember when he was a um, scout team guy. There's always like the great scout team players that you hear from like the position coaches like oh my god this kid like um jarvis west was one of those guys second jarvis west but hakeem butler was too yeah hakeem was um 
Yeah, Meyer Blythe. Brees Hall was. Brees was. Um, yeah, Meyer and Blythe were. I mean, Brees wasn't technically a scout team guy, but when he first stepped on campus, you started getting a uh, little birdies going, hey, now, <laughs> this guy's pretty good. Yeah, um, I remember Tom Herman telling me back in the day, uh, this is old school, people love it now, he begged Paul Rhodes, begged Paul Rhodes to pull the red shirt off of Jarvis West, like halfway into that, because he got hurt. Like they were gonna play Jarvis West as a true freshman. He got, he's a, you know he's uh he had a really nice career, but you wonder if he was on like let's say this year's yeah, Iowa well, State team he, how much different he, it would be. He was he was never supposed to be the man. No, you know he's not built to be the man. But man, if he could just be a guy that you blend in and like use him where he. That's why I like this Silas kid. Um, I watched a little bit of his tape today and really like him in, in that aspect. I think he could be dangerous. Um, well, how how productive was Deshante Jones? Yeah, I mean he was super yeah. productive. And this is with the Silas kid. You know that's the intention here. Correct. Uh, that's why I say I don't even like to use the term running back with him. But he, I mean, he, that's technically what he's listed at. But he's going to be all over the field. But Milton was one of those scout team guys where you would hear after like the spring scrimmage and be like, "Dude, Milton's the best receiver we have." Um, you know, you you would hear that a lot. Guys had some injury issues, but I. He would be, um, for me, like a guy who, with this 2021 club, like, make a stock pick, Williams. Where can you buy low and, like, to get a a huge return? To me, Tariq Milton would be the guy because you know next year X is going to have all sorts of attention on him. You know what the tight ends are going to get. Milton, man, uh, and even Sean Shaw to an extent, but Milton, I think, has that breakaway. We saw it in the Oklahoma game. He's got that big play potential, and and it's funny because we're so close to the program. I had forgotten how big of a piece that was because other guys stepped up and and made up for it. But that's a huge boost going into next year, getting him healthy. And he's a guy that the national pundits will forget about because you'll see his numbers and you go, "Well, this guy." I mean, yeah. we're not really quite sure. And so there, that that'll be the question mark from the pundits is like, "Well, who does Iowa State?" have that playmaker and Tariq will be forgotten about, but he's absolutely an impact guy that will, will help tremendously. Can't wait to see him healthy. I mean, he, he went out on a big play. So he got dinged up on that. Uh, it was like a 60 yarder against Oklahoma in week number three. So if you can get him rolling with those other weapons and then, you know, I still like Joe skates, you know, if he can, if he can get locked in, uh, he can, he has ability to beat man coverage that, very few people on this Iowa State roster can do it. So I think his future is still very bright, and Joe has indicated that he's ready, locked and loaded to come back, and excited to see skates out there too. All right, um, real quick, I need to – man, i got to get to Franklin Barbershop this week. I'm a disaster. Same. I was going to go Friday, and then, like, we got six oh inches. Oh, my God. Um, I'm a disaster. I haven't been there since, like, a week before Christmas, and it's just it's, – it's, it's turned into a bad situation here. Uh, with my house. So here's what I'm going to do. It's super easy. They're a uh, small business. We're, this is what the Williams and Bloom pod likes to do. We like to promote small businesses. It's a big thing for us. Um, and it is designed this way. We like to keep it this way. FranklinBarbershop.com. Now that's not to say if like, um, I don't know, like John Deere wanted to be like, Hey, we'll give you guys like $2,000 an episode. We would take it. Okay. Uh, but FranklinBarbershop.com. And then you, it takes you right to their, uh, page and you could here, here are the options kids cut haircut beard trim 
Haircut and beard trims. Ooh, straight razor shave. Haircut and shave. You just click on your option. You click on the barber you want. You schedule it. Boom. And then it goes right to your phone. It's that easy. Down there on Beaver Avenue. It's where Bloom and I both go to get our cuts. Uh, Great supporters of what we do here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. I'll tell you what. It sure beats an awkward conversation at Gray Clips or uh, Sport Clips. You're not Those kidding. are always the worst when you're trying to make conversation. Hey, what'd you do this week? I'm like, I don't know you. You are not kidding about that. Uh, all right. Um, who else do we have to thank? Oh, I want to thank our friends at gravitatecoworking.com. I'm actually looking at their website right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately – I'm thinking about actually um, buying a dedicated desk. Kid, Hey, Kami's going back to school. Yeah. I, Now's the time. I'm thinking about doing it um, – you can rent it and it's, it's just a monthly cost. You can even do like a private office, but, um, I'm hearing of some, some stuff that uh, my schedule is going to be changing just a little bit on a daily basis. I'm not going to get into it, but having a desk downtown would be like a really good thing for me. I'm thinking, and I, I think I might do this bloom, uh, gravitate co-work. You know, they've got the, uh, they've got all the different options as far as the midtown, the downtown, but you can go to gravitate coworking.com. I was actually listening to, you know, I like my stock podcasts, my like financial ones. Yes. I was listening to one on, um, it was over the weekend and it was crazy cause they, uh, were talking about, they were, they were talking about these co-working spaces. Yep. And how they basically were like ravaged by the pandemic on like how how big of a bummer it would have been to be in on one of these. But they predicted that these would be one of the great growth stories of 2021. I believe it. I mean, they've they, it's not the co-working space's fault with the pandemic. But once this thing recovers and people realize that not only do they miss the collegiality of working in an office, but you can work anywhere it's perfect for co-working because you don't need to be in your office. You can just be in any office and still be productive. And yet still having a dedicated space is so much more enjoyable than being in your basement because your basement gets old. <laughs> that yeah. should be their tagline. Well, and Jeff Woods, listen, your basement gets old. But the thing about your basement is the distraction aspect of it. Correct. Now I am accustomed to this. I've worked. I, I only, you were, you made this cool before it was even yeah. a deal. I have only worked in an office for three years out of my professional life. Not even that. Well, it was just when I was at KMA, like I had to be in there. And, but like, other than that, I was working in my dorm room. I was work. I have never had an office to go to. I don't, it's foreign to me. So I'm pretty good about sitting down here and, and working and not being distracted. But like, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's been having to work at home. You know, Matty Erdman, friend of the program. Yeah. yeah, doctor. And he's like, man, it's just so hard to not go up and like get a snack. I'm in that boat. <laughs> I need to be at the office as much as possible. Yeah. So I, I think I'm going to do that. Gravitatecoworking.com. Check them out today. Um, the Iowa State women's basketball team provided a major highlight so far in 2021. Uh, I hate to lead with this, but this this Kim Mulkey. Bloom, I need you to talk me off of the Kim Mulkey ledge. Because this, I mean, this this Kim Mulkey, it, can she ever be gracious? What is wrong with her? Why can she never just be? Here's the thing. I don't even disagree with all of her points from after the game on on Saturday night. Like, some of her points are fine, but she comes across as so 
just ungracious for any it just it, and this is not a one-time deal this goes back to when louisville beat them in the sweet 16 and when the art brile situation was going on everything she was grouchy after they beat iowa state in the big 12 championship two years ago saying oh, that nobody that, gives them a chance and was that because like, bridget won the I don't know year. if that was that was part of it, but then she was like the she was they don't get any respect from their own fans anymore, and it's like there's always a there's always a vengeance there for Kim. Her deal, man, like it. She's very good at her job, no doubt. I tweeted this earlier. We'll, we'll see what you. I said. All right. The serious question here is: Kim Mulkey, the sorest loser in all of sports. <laughs> Every time in parentheses, which isn't often which is a glowing statement or testament to the program she has built. It is always someone else's fault and rarely credits the other team. She's yeah. just a sore loser, man. Well, so what were the comments exactly? Because I, I caught some of them, but she was unhappy. I'm going to read them to you. Hold on one second. She was unhappy. When she, obviously, Iowa State beat them. Baylor had just been out for two weeks for COVID. Mulkey had COVID herself, right? Yeah. So, I mean... There's something that goes into it here, but I, I read some of the comments and it struck me poorly myself. She says the answer is this season will continue on. It's called the almighty dollar. The NCAA has to have the almighty dollar from the men's tournament. The almighty dollar is more important than the health and welfare of me, the players, or anybody else. One conference does this. One conference does that. Well, this I can agree with. The CDC says this. Everybody is confused. I'm confused. I'm uncomfortable coaching. I understand COVID is real. I've had it. Come talk to me sometime. But I don't know. All the calls and procedures that's going to go on and make it unusual, uncomfortable for every program, we're no different at Baylor. And that's my problem with it. Like, she she blamed COVID, and did it probably impact her team? Absolutely. I, I, don't, I don't have any doubt that it did, Kim. But you're right. We are no different at Baylor. Everybody's going through this. And I, Brent, I don't even. She is right. They do have to have an NCAA tournament. But then I would ask Kim, how much money do you make every year? How much of that is is coming from that pot? How much of a pay cut would you take if there's not going to be an NCAA tournament for the second year in a row? She doesn't get into that, and it's just very uh, hypocritical to me. And it just it bothers me where you have to credit the opponent. You can't just say it, right? And she rarely, rarely does that. When they lost to Louisville that year with Brittany Griner, it was all yep. the officiating. Um, well, even last year at Hilton, she was she was pissed off after that one. She it, this is just who she when she gets in the, on the microphone and I am in the know. You know that whole deal. Yes, this is just who she is, and it bothers me. See, you're right. So the problem is she's making. Allegedly, I mean, Baylor's private, so they don't release the salary, right. but they don't have to. I mean, there are some records out there that you can search through. $2.7 million per year. Shut up. Mulkey yes. makes two point seven. That's a, what, what the internet says. Now, you can't trust everything you read, but it seemed like a pretty good source to me when I was looking that up today. Jiminy Christmas. Which is well over, well over two times what Fennelly makes at Iowa State. Now, Mulkey is very good. And that women's program, honestly, for a while, it drew more than the Baylor men's program. And so it's really a, it's a big thing down in Waco. And, you know, she's won multiple national championships. And so, I mean, that's fine. But 
to then say that the almighty dollar, it's just the NCAA needs us to play. No, Kim, so does Baylor. So does the big 12. So does TV. Like this isn't just, Chris, I get tired of people just blaming the NCAA for all the problems. Well, it's NCAA's fault. Like they're this bureaucratic monolith that tells everybody what to do. If Baylor didn't want to play, Baylor doesn't have to play. Mm -hmm. You you saw already this week that Duke Duke and Virginia, both their women's programs, they said, we're we're done. You know, Baylor could easily say, you know, we don't want to play. It's not safe. We're not comfortable. We're not going to play. But it's a lot easier to say that that you're uncomfortable after you just lost a game. You didn't hear about this in November or December when Baylor was in the top five. You hear it after they lose a game. And that's the problem is when you hear about sour grapes, it's like, why not raise these issues before the game or before you lost a game like this? Instead, it just discredits Iowa State and say, well, we didn't have. And by the way, they had all five of their starters. They did have a couple bench players out and they hadn't been practicing this much. So sure, Iowa State had an advantage here. But to immediately go to this card, it's just like, come on, give, you know, have a little grace and give somebody else some credit for once. Uh, according to a quick Google search, there, um, and, and I could be wrong here, but I, I don't see any pay cuts or anything like that from the Baylor athletic department so far. And I don't expect them to, like, okay, they earned it, right? But then don't come out after the fact and say that the NCAA is the one at fault here. It's like, no, they're not the only one. But This is a team effort. She is right, though. Like, they do need the NCAA tournament. So does, and Baylor needs to play games. (laughs) Yeah. I mean. (laughs) That's my point. Like, yeah. Like, this is what you do. Um, And if, if you're that uncomfortable, I actually think that in the current climate that we live in, like, if Kim Mulkey would say, hey, I, I'm super uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to let my associate head coach coach this year, and I'm going to do some virtual stuff. She would not get criticized. Nope. Nobody would criticize. But it, you're right, the sour grapes portion of it. it. It reads like Coach K coming out after they got their ass kicked that game, and like it just is – it's just kind of a baby thing to do. Yeah, and they're unfamiliar to losing. And so this kind of the first, like any of us, anytime you lose something that's important to you, the first thing is to, you know, lash out a little bit. And I'm sure she was in a hot moment in a press conference and wanted to lash out. And this is what happened. But it's, it's <laughs> trust me, the Iowa State staff and players don't care. I mean, they're, they will take that victory 100 times out of 100. What I mean, just impressive by Iowa State to go down there you know, get an early lead. Baylor takes it back, and Iowa State wins down there for the first time since 1997. I have to admit, I mean, that was as much fun, Chris, that I've had watching a basketball game in some time. I mean, usually for the men or the women, we're often working. There hasn't been many times oh. where, you know, you and I could just sit back and watch a game, and we had the kids there, and it was just a really enjoyable time being a fan. And that's what I appreciated about it. We did have fun. Uh, There's a video circulating around where. Yeah, I think you broke out the lawnmower. Yeah, I was I was rocking the lawnmower, um, and then Everett uh, Brent's oldest got a little bit too riled (laughs) up at the end, and he knocked the camera over. Thanks a lot, dude. Yeah, he knocked. But that was fun. I mean, we had a blast watching that game. uh, Our families, and uh, you know, I know it's not the case everywhere, but. In our households, there's no difference between the men's and the women's program. Like uh, I'm, we're locked in equally on each, and that was that was a real uh, joyous occasion last night. Yeah, and that's the thing is like it doesn't have to take away from 
they're, they're two really good programs historically at Iowa State, so enjoy them both. And uh, that was uh, that was a great week for Iowa State women's basketball. You beat a 5-0 and Oklahoma State team, the Big 12 at home, and then you go down on the road and beat Baylor. And look at the standings now, Chris, and Iowa State's atop the Big 12 standings in women's well, basketball. Would you count Iowa State, would you call them the favorite to win the Big 12 women's basketball right now? I, I still would put Baylor probably as the favorite just because of, you know, what Baylor's done. I think they've won it now eight years in a row. I mean, it's crazy what, what Baylor has done. And that's what it's like. I give Mulkey some credit for her, her success and her history. But Absolutely. Also, How do you not? But you, but you also, you are 100% in allowed to criticize when every time Baylor loses, it's somebody else's fault which is frustrating. But no, I think Baylor's still the favorite. If Iowa State could beat them again in Hilton, then we'll see. But it's going to be an interesting race. And, you know, it's uneven scheduling. Like, look at – I don't even know what the answer is on the men's and the women's side. There's some teams that haven't played as many games. That's and what, they've got, like, a 10-day period before the Big 12 tournament to schedule some of those games. We'll see what happens. But I don't know how they're going to squeeze a full schedule in in basketball. I really don't. Well, if you're the Iowa State men, like, how – how can you play a whole schedule even at this point? Well, like I said, make... there's like a 10-day period between the end of the year and... Uh, so they're not going to play three games a week at any point then? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I And as far as I know, there is no tiebreaker rule or anything as far as, you know, like in football, you had if one team played one less game and there was a tiebreaker situation. There's nothing like that in basketball. And the next thing that's going to come up here, and it's going to come up in the next week to 10 days, is there's going to be a lobby from national pundits to not play conference tournaments. Now, the conference tournaments really want to be played because that's extra TV inventory and worth a lot of money. So we'll see what wins out there. But, you know, protecting the NCAA tournament is probably number one goal at all costs. So we'll see if... I'm okay with that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, like, but, I mean, that's, again, you're looking at, you know, 20 games on national television that you cut from the budget if you don't play a conference tournament. So you're talking millions of dollars if that doesn't happen, which I, I these schools it. need the money. I get it, but they're... But they, they need the NCAA tournament money more, Is but you're right. So, well, I don't know if there's an answer. And, I, and you've seen some conference tournaments move to you know, a central location as far as like on campus. But I don't think the big 12 is going to move off of Kansas city at all. I saw that the big 10 is looking to play in Indianapolis instead of Chicago because of all the stuff that's already set up because of the NCAA tournament, which makes sense. They have the infrastructure in place for that. And I think, you know, the big 12 has been very good as far as football is concerned and the basketball protocols are very good. So I think they would have a good setup in Kansas City to keep these teams bubbled off. But like we saw this week, you saw with Iowa State, you saw with Fred and Nebraska, you cannot keep this thing at bay. And you just have to hope that luck is on your side in some ways and it doesn't run through your program right before the NCAA tournament. I want to give a quick shout-out to my friends, and these are my friends who own and run Legacy Fitness in Ankeny. Uh, the beautiful Prairie Trail District. This is another, um, this is kind of the theme of the show. What kind of businesses will we buy stock in now because it's low after the pandemic? And, uh, you know, one of them would be fitness centers. We just haven't really done a lot of that as a society since since COVID hit. Uh, the vaccine is being surfaced around, and, and this is going to um, 
you know, we're going to, we're going to kick out of this. And, uh, I've toured legacy fitness. I've done some marketing for legacy fitness. It is state of the art. It is locally owned, which is what I love about it. Free childcare. So while you go and work out, you just drop your kids off and, uh, it's super, super cool. Like area, it, it really big area for the kids. Again, I've seen it. They got a free coffee bar, uh, bloom. They've got your golf simulator. I, I talk. I got a text from a buddy. Yeah. Listen to last week's podcast. Yeah. Who's a member at Legacy. He's like, this golf simulator is not just kind of a random, it's legit. It's no so joke. It's it's not like just some, you know, run of the mill simulator here. It's it's the real deal. So he I, said he, he frequents it often. And he's he's like a he's like a two handicap, my buddy Grayson, if you're listening out there. So if he says it's legit, it's legit. I actually did some research on this for you. So if you're a member or a non member at Legacy Fitness you just click and you can reserve it and you can reserve time and go to use. And that. it's it, for those curious, it's much cheaper than you could find at oh, the uh, simulator bars. Yeah. yeah. Not even, not even close. So check that out. Um, the, the pool is beautiful. Um, the, it, it's a, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's got like a open like window area and you can see outside through you. Like you have a great view of Jethro's actually is in that lake in the background. There's an indoor track, and uh, the the thing is, what I love about it, because the gym's so big, and it's so spacious that it doesn't ever feel like crowded, which that's my thing that I hate about those 24-hour type fitness centers. Like, it's just always so packed, and I, I just hate that. I've never felt like that when I go into Legacy Fitness. So check it out, LegacyFitnessAnkeny.com. Did you get me that uh, co-host podcast I, I membership will. yet? I, I haven't, but <laughs> I haven't. We should go and take one of those. Uh, what do you think about you and me? We join the old ladies in the pool. We do like the water fitness type deal you know, with the weights. and. I think that's right up a rally. You know what I mean? I think that, yeah. I think we do. Probably beats a yoga class. They got all your classes too. You're training, all that stuff. Uh, thank the... Thank the folks at LegacyFitnessAnkeny.com for supporting the Williams & Bloom Sunday Night Podcast here on the Psych 1 Fanatic Podcast Network. Uh, Other than that, Bloom, uh, we got a lot of NFL playoffs going on right now. Al Nazard had a huge weekend. Uh, What a career that guy's put together. I mean, I don't think any of us are surprised about this, but, man, like he has been been freaking awesome for the past. You know what I appreciate about – those guys that have had success is they haven't forgotten about Iowa State. I mean, Tyrese at the is, forefront. I was going to bring up to you next. Tyrese was tweeting about the Iowa State women on Saturday night. And his year has been incredible for the Kings. I don't know if anybody's paying attention, but he has been off the charts. And if you look at rookie of the year, you know, you can, you can place a couple wagers on that. He's now the second favorite to win rookie of the year behind LaMelo Ball, who has a distinguished advantage because he went higher than draft plus of the name. But Tyrese has been awesome. But, you know, Lazard, Halliburton, George Niang is always looking to represent Iowa State, Monte, Naz, all these guys pay attention to it. And uh, that was neat to see. So Lazard has the, you know, game-clinching touchdown, for for lack of a better word. And then in the postgame, in his Zoom interview, has an Iowa State gator on, you know, the face covering. Mm. He had the Iowa State logo on it. And so that guy is the real deal and, and happy. You know, I'm not a Packers fan. You know, you, we've talked about this. I don't really have an NFL team, but anytime 13's having success the next level, I can't cheer against him. So this is a funny uh, Tyrese story. Um, I can tell it now because he's gone. So he um, he texted me 
because he really wanted one of those Cyclone versus the World T-shirts. Okay. And like he wore those when he was in Ames. Yeah. No, this was back when his freshman year. Okay. And I'm like Tyrese, like I would give you five of them, but I can't because of NCAA stuff. And like I, but here's here's the link. You can buy whatever you want. And then about like two months later, he's like, "Hey, uh, I think you can make those in white." <laughs> well, I'll, well, let me let me text Mike and we'll see. Um, and then Tyrese is like, um, "How many colors can we get of those?" Tyrese owns like four colors of the Cyclones versus the World T-shirt, and like he just he freaking loves it. Like he he still wears them, playing for the Sacramento Kings. He's a guy who. He, uh, the, the, this is my commentary on on Prome at this point, and I, we've kind of spoken off about this. But Steve has had he's had a lot of bad luck <laughs> since he got the yeah. job, and I just um, I, I'm not I'm not making any excuses. They're bad, and they've been bad for a couple of years. He needs to win. Like we all we all know all this. I just wish that he could have had like a couple of these guys for four years just to see how it would have turned out. Maybe they wouldn't have lived up to expectations, but I just like four years of Tyrese and that smile and that, that persona around Ames, man, like we missed that. There's not a guy like that right now. Hopefully one of these freshmen will turn into that. Right. But like, there's just not a guy like that because there's just so many new faces and you don't feel like you had the connection to him. Tyrese, I promise you, um, he would have been right there in like George Niang legendary status had he been around Iowa State for four years, and that's why like I'm I just feel like we are so blessed knowing these guys and having a I have a great relationship with Tyrese to be able to sit, stay up till nine thirty and watch him and tip off and it's it's like I have five favorite teams. You know, and I, I wish that Iowa State fans could have, like, completely had the four years like they did with George and Monte and those guys. Cause, and even Taylor. Taylor's a sweet kid, man. Like, people are like, Great oh, I want it. Yeah. For some reason, there's, like, this neg- negative energy around him. He's a phenomenal kid. He's one of the most polite young people I've ever worked with around Iowa State. And, like, watching him freaking side-by-side with LeBron – and Anthony Davis, it's exhilarating. I'm having so much fun. So e- even though they're losing, like it, it is a lot of fun to have all these favorite teams in the NBA. And just like you said with Allen, I hate the Packers. I hate them. The Packers might be my least favorite franchise in all of professional sports, but I'm, I, I can't help but root for them because Allen's there. Yeah, it's just, I mean, you talk about – what does a cyclone mean? And th- th- those guys, those guys are it. I want to, you're going to get me on my soapbox with Taylor because he gets some criticism for leaving after his freshman year. And there's this thought that he was, he was selfish for doing that. And, and I just want to bring one thing to light. Um, and I think it's, it's somewhat important because I think it goes back to the whole nature of, of college sports and higher education for that matter. It's to, it's to better yourself. And if you look at Taylor's family situation, it wasn't great. Um, you know, it was really just Taylor and his mom and he had the chance to go make the NBA and really get out, get his family out of, you know, a position they've been in. And, you know, he got the opportunity to be what at the time was a first round draft pick. He gets hurt in the pre-draft process, drops to the second round 
but now here he is about to be, you know, when his contract comes up, which will be at the end of this year, those are, there's a good chance he's going to make, you know, eight to $12 million per year yeah. and permanently set his family up for the rest of time. I mean, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, would it, would it have been nice to have him here last year and to help out in this year? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I mean, you got to be happy for Talon for having the success he is. And, you know, you know, I don't know if it was his decision. I've heard Talon thought about coming back and wanted to come back. But ultimately, when the family says, hey, Talon, we need the money to, you know, bring us out of this horrible situation we're in. I mean, that's a lot of pressure on a young man. And so he made the move and credit to him for taking advantage of a really good situation in L.A. And now he's going to be, you know, his next contract he'll probably get, you know, three to four years at 25 to 30 million dollars, which is awesome. I mean, that's what it's all about. So you know, was, I can't I can't criticize those guys for jumping when they get the chance. It was cool the other day. I was listening to, like, Simmons and Ryan Rosillo or whatever uh, about the NBA, and, like, Tyrese and Taylor both got brought up in the same conversation. Yeah, and, you know, ulti- They were talking about Tyrese. Simmons has been big on Tyrese. He thought he was going to be, like, the best rookie, like, whatever. Yeah, I, he was early, early on him, yep. Yeah, and then um, – they were talking about the Lakers and about like this Horton Tucker guy, like where'd he come from? And like, it was cool. I'm like, yeah, I know those guys. Like those are our guys. And it was, it was awesome. I was, was, it was really fun. The problem is, and it's, it's, it's a totally legit argument. The other way is, you know, really good programs have to deal with losses like this. And, you know, other programs have weathered this fairly well. I mean, there, you know, Kansas, Kentucky over the years, Duke loses guys like this every year. Obviously, just hasn't been able to handle it very well, quite and, honestly. And so you had you had a couple classes that have not either they they did not get on campus like they expected, or they didn't work out as well. And now you're kind of up against it here uh, because you're getting beat on both sides now of the early entrant NBA guys plus the the guys that have been signed the last two years. Majority haven't worked out. And so it's a numbers game, and now you've got a bunch of new newcomers, and it just it's taking them longer than anticipated. But um, so it's part of the game; it's part of the deal now. But that doesn't mean that doesn't diminish the success that those guys have had in the NBA, and and still hope for the, for the best for them. Yeah, and I get it; like fans, they're Iowa State fans first and foremost, so they want Iowa Absolutely. State to do well. I I totally understand that, but. I'm just saying from my perspective, it is fun to watch these guys. And oh, 100, 100%. You know, and it's if, changed if, my if, whole sports fandom. I, I love the NBA now, and 10 years ago, I can't say that. Well, and what really helped Fred, he did a great job of recruiting the right people at the right time, and then those four-year guys were perfect Yeah, because they were not good enough to leave early. Melvin. But Melvin's who, who yeah, Greg Lee, re- recruited, but Fred got him. Yep, started with Melvin and then transitioned to George and then into Monte and Matt and Naz and all of those guys. You know, Monte is really the only one that thought about leaving after I think his junior year. He he elected to stay, but it really timed up well with having those guys not be that great that you're an early entrant to the NBA where, you know, Prohm's getting stuck on two angles. One, the transfer market is totally different than when, when, when Hoiberg arrived because Iowa State was one of the lone players in that market. And then two, the guys he's got that were transformational talents have left too early for his liking or for Iowa State's liking. And then he hasn't recruited well enough to replace those guys. And so it's just, it is what it is. I mean, it's not a great situation, but there are reasons for it. And he has not replaced those guys well enough. And I will say this too, to... 
you, you brought up the point, and I, I know the point you were making, and it's it's well done. Um, the Duke and Kentucky and all that. Iowa State's never going to recruit like that. They just won't. Like it, it's it's not going to happen. I even look at like Scott Drew. He used to do that. He doesn't anymore. And um, I don't know if like the well ran dry in Waco or if he wised up to the fact that this is not sustainable for me to win games in college. I need to get older. I need to get more experienced. And um, he started to recruit guys who are right on that level. They're good enough to be pros someday, but they're not good enough to be one and done or two and done. And I think Prohm's on that trajectory now. Will he have enough time to see it play out is another story. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma because you really have to I – mean, not only do you have to recruit well, but you can't recruit too well. It's tough. And this is well, – I it, think it's a really hard game. Nobody pegged Tyrese as a two-and-done guy. Oh, absolutely not. No. You know, nobody, no, he was – Taylor was by far the closest of any of those guys. Um, Lindell, you thought maybe, but, like, it turned out to not be a great decision for him, I think we can say. He probably should have transferred. I mean, that I felt like that was deteriorating to the point where I don't know if it could have been uh, corrected. But, like, I was thinking about that the other day, though. Just think if you had Taywin, Tyrese, and Lindell all on this team. Yeah, all would be still be in there within their four years. And so I think, Chris, you look at it now and you go, like, man, that that team two years ago was so talented, and yet you only go 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12 and then, you know, drop it to – Ohio State in the opener. If that, if that season, if you beat Ohio State and then you maybe win another game, 16. you get to the Sweet Sixteen. I think this whole thing feels different right now, but it didn't. And here we are. And um, that was an underachieving you, season. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really was. It, mm-hmm. I mean, if you, in the, it's weird to say this, but the talent having success in the NBA almost strangely hurts Prome in, in that context. It, it hurts Fred Hoiberg. Yeah, honestly, like I, I'm not. As no, I love and respect Fred too, but it, I think it, and it, it does hurt Prome that they didn't do more his first year, and his second year even. That second year, yeah. I think especially. I mean, they they should have been in the Sweet Sixteen that year. Well, yeah, I mean that, that first Purdue half game. against Purdue. Yeah, that's just a it's one of those that yeah. you always yeah. think about. Man, if we would have just given the ball to Burton. Look earlier. at Fred's team that lost to UAB though. Oh, crazy talent! You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and that that UAB team had. But I also, I don't, now we just said that. Now, can I play the other side? I don't even think that's, I don't think it's fair. It's not fair. Because basketball is such a chemistry game. I mean, we see it all the time. Like, I mean, just like, what's the hot talker been this week? The Nets. Right. I mean, is, you're a better NBA guy than me. Is that the most talented starting five? Probably. I mean, right there with the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but like, do we think that that thing can stay together we'll see some, some tough personalities involved there maybe for a year but yeah i mean we were seeing that in aims with lindell though i mean i no Ty, tyrese's early success really it was a tough part for that team because they didn't anticipate it and then you couldn't keep him off the floor and because you couldn't keep him off the floor somebody's going to be unhappy and it turned out lindell was the odd man out and that at times really hampered that roster two years ago. And I don't know what the best way to handle that was. I still, you know, I, I'm looking back now and it's like, you get some revisionist history and you go, well, maybe you should have benched Wyler Babb. I'm like, Wyler Babb was pretty valuable to that team. 
you know, maybe you bench Taylor Horton Tucker. And now he's, you know, doing pretty well at the Lakers. So Shayok was the leading scorer in the Big 12. Like, who did you take off then during that year to put Lindell in? And so I understand, you know, the easy thing to say is, well, Prom does not know how to manage a, a roster and egos. It's like, I don't even know what I would have done in that situation. I mean, somebody was going to be unhappy, and it turns out Lindell was the odd man out because of an injury, which is unfortunate, but it was what it was. And I don't know if that's the only thing that derailed in the Ohio State game. There's other things going on in that single singular game that, that caused problems, but that was just a tough situation all the way around. Weird, uh, weird, Brent, that it, it seems like that was like 10 years ago. Right, that was... Uh, that was not what, that long. Less ago. than two years ago now. That was that was not that long ago. Yes, yeah, you you had a good time in Tulsa, right? You and Stans with their uh, non-smoking laws or their geez. whatever their smoking laws were. We had a fun night. That was the night I talked about a couple weeks ago on the pod that I went to that speakeasy with the guy who's now the Cotton Bowl executive. <laughs> For real, like we're Facebook friends, and he's always like tweeting pictures of him at like the college football playoff headquarters and all this stuff. And it's just like, God, what a small freaking world! Who was the the three seed in that bracket? I, I don't even remember now. Who beat Ohio State the next game? Because Iowa State was. I mean, even if you, we talked a lot last week about you know you know Iowa State's defensive metrics, and I I totally spaced it. And I I want to correct it here. Iowa State was top 50 that year in defense, too, and top 25 in offense. Like, Iowa State's metrics were awesome two years ago, and they were one of the most talented teams in the country. But to go 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12 and then lose to Ohio State was a disappointment, and there were various various things at bay there. 2000, that would have been 2018? Uh, it would have been 19. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, because, okay, yeah. I remember watching the end of um, last season, that Kansas State game. Iowa State had like, it seemed like they had like six players. Do you remember oh, that game? yep. I remember yep. watching that at, um, I was at Otzelberger's place. That was, a, that was a that, tough one that was last a, year. That was a depressing, depressing end to the season. I would take a loss in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Houston, the 31-3 right. Houston team. So we thought that Iowa State had a pretty decent um, shot if they could get to that game, right? Yep. Yeah, and then Houston Houston beat Ohio State and then got knocked off in the next round, I believe. Yeah, Houston played Georgia State. Those were the teams that uh, okay. that we were scouting. Then on the other side, so it would have set up a, a Sweet 16 game potentially against um, uh, Kentucky. That's right. Yep. Man, what a deal. I mean, it's like that feels so long ago, but that was the one where – you know, maybe if you if you make a run two years ago, then you can snag a transfer to a little bit different uh, the year the last year, and then things are a little bit different. But I don't know. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, it hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I mean, you look at the success of these guys in the NBA from that roster, and even those that did make the NBA are doing really well in Europe, and it's kind of one of those what could have been situations, and it's just a uh, part of the fun of being being an Iowa State fan. Bloom, it's always a pleasure. We'll hope to have a non-eventful week in a good way. Um, yes. Hopefully the basketball team can get back going on next Saturday, uh, which ironically is at Texas Tech, the team that just yeah. pounded them um, on the day of the Fiesta Bowl. I don't even know what date that was, but it would have been the uh, – No, that was last Saturday even. 
Yeah, is when Tech got to him. They played oh, they played Baylor. They played the. Sorry, it's all. It's all. I feel like I haven't left my house <laughs> since Dallas. I, feel, I honestly, I feel like I've not left my house other than to drive to KXNO. That's gravitate co working would do you a world of good, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're not. <laughs> you're not kidding about that. All right, he's Brent Bloom. Uh, any, are you on the call at all this week? Or are you off? No, I've I've got uh, who do the women play Oklahoma Tuesday. That is, I think Walters is on the call for that one. So. Okay, uh, let's see so. if they can keep it rolling. I'm all in. Let's let's. I mean, they yeah. they don't need us to tell them to support the women's basketball team because they are a blast to watch. But you know, if you have some time Tuesday to to tune them in on ESPN Plus, I would encourage you to do so because they are uh, super super fun. Had a um, I. I put it up with the Chiefs Browns game today, but I, I made an appointment to watch Cyclone Wrestling and tough one today, man. Oh boy, I watched that too. I don't I what did I'm you not read? smart enough to Well I'll read Dresser's comments after the match. Uh Jacqueline Cordova has a nice uh recap of that on our front page. And he was pretty um glass half full that I didn't realize how young that the lineup is. Yeah he's like pretty they... he's pretty glass half full. So um I, it made me feel better after reading what what Coach Dresser had to say. So go and yeah, check. that was because Arizona State what couldn't make it because of COVID. So again, yeah. COVID strikes, but not the score I anticipated seeing from that duel. No, uh, but um, hopefully they can uh, bounce back from that one. All right, Bloom. Thanks for your time, Thanks, man. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. He's Brent Bloom. I'm Chris Williams. We'll be back. I believe we'll have a podcast at some point this week with John Haycock. Don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. It may not be this week, but I know coach is going to come on. I'm going to try and uh, get one of those locked down with him here in the next couple of days. So we'll let you know about that. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Have a great work week.